So today I want to talk about mothers. And today I want to honor mothers in the room. I want to bless the mothers. I, I want to say thank you to everyone that is a mother or has been a mother or um and as I just thought about what this week would be and stuff, um I started thinking about a mother's love. And there's all kinds of things if you go look it up. A mother's love. And and as I think about it, a mother's love is it's really one of the clearest pictures of God's love that we get. Because y'all know mama will be crazy if you mess with her kid. It doesn't even matter if the kid was in the wrong. That's how God loves us. That like it's a it's a kind of a clear picture of agape love because like the kid doesn't do anything to earn his mom's love. And a lot of times the kid's even being an idiot and he's in the wrong and mama's still going to put her neck out there and stick up for him and act like he's... So it can be a very clear picture of God's love for us when we look at the way a mom loves her kids. I saw Jesse got a little upset yesterday when she felt like Malachi was being cheated. Uh, she calmed it down, but that mother's love. So I want to talk to mothers, and then I also want to talk to um, everyone that ever had a mother. So if that's you, if you're a mother, or if you've ever had a mother, um, then I'm going to talk to you today believe God's got something for all of us it's undeniable the impact that mothers have some good some bad maybe I don't know what your experience was with your mother or how that if it was good if it was bad if if she's here if she's gone if maybe you never knew her but I'm sure that she impacted you the impact is undeniable. And all women, like even if you don't have natural kids, um, you can have that mothering instinct. Or if you heard some moms, they call it mama bear. I call it embarrassing. <laughs> um... Which, I guess that's, that's part of mom's jobs, is to embarrass their kids, right? I feel like. Maybe not. <laughs> okay, has, have any of y'all's moms ever embarrassed you? Okay. All right, good. I'm not alone. Okay. <laughs> A lot of moms have. Um, y'all... My mom got pulled over last week for like speeding and reckless driving or something. I don't know. Like, I know she was speeding. It's going to be a pretty hefty ticket, right? She got pulled over and the policeman came up and asked her for license and insurance. Um, and as he was walking away, you know what she did? She says, Mercy, Grace. Who does that? <laughs> it's a mom move. 
Now, apparently his printer in his car broke or something, so he just gave her like a, a verbal warning. So I don't, maybe that worked. Maybe he did give her mercy or grace. Maybe it worked, but I don't know. But I was thinking about it, and I realized that when kids are young, they always embarrass their mom or their parents. And then when kids get old, then the mom or the parents embarrass the kids. It kind of it kind of flips, it switches. Um, pastor, there's a uh, there's a pastor named Rick, and he was talking about when he was a kid that he had a really bad problem with sucking his thumb, and he sucked his thumb so much that it was starting to mess up his teeth and stuff. And he said his mama tried everything, and she thought she was gonna get him and dump like uh, some kind of cayenne pepper sauce on his thumb thinking it would burn him and uh he liked it he sucked it more it was like she put a little flavor on that thing (laughs) and so he's telling the story like he said he liked it so he started sucking it even more when she kept putting that pepper on there like what in the world so he he said that his mom came up with a story and she told him and he was always a little bit of a chunky kid a little bit heavy set and uh, he said that his mama told him that every time he sucked his thumb, that it was letting air get in and it was making his belly bigger. And the more you sucked your thumb, the bigger his belly was going to get. And his mom convinced him that that was the truth. So he quit sucking his thumb. And uh, he said that his mom thought she was a genius. Now, looking back on it, she'll tell the story like she thought she was so smart that she had got him to quit sucking his thumb And uh, about a week later, they were in the grocery store and saw a woman that was about nine months pregnant. And as she pushed the buggy up to get in line, Rick, the little boy, he looks at her and says, I know what you've been doing. (laughs) And his mom died because the lady was saying, I'm pregnant. I know what you, (laughs) what's a four-year-old kid talking about? He said, yeah, it backfired on mama. You know, kids will say some stuff that there's not really a filter on a little kid. Yesterday out here playing the ball tournament, I was sitting on the bleachers, and my nephew Jack, where, oh, he's in class. Jack came up and said, hey, Dusty, I saw you get that hit. And I said, yeah, I got out. I got thrown out at first base. And he said, it's because you're fat. And I said, what? And he said, it's because you're fat. And I was like, thanks, bud. <laughs> really appreciate it. <laughs> Truth hurts sometimes. <laughs> but then we, we say things like, kids say the darndest things. The reality is they heard it from somewhere. Right? They learned it from somewhere. Oh, Rick learned that about the thumb from his mama. And I'm not saying Jack learned that from Christine. But he heard it from somewhere. He learned from somewhere that fat people can't run to first very fast. So we're going to. I'm going to talk to you about two moms. It's not going to be long. Um, but I'm going to give you a recipe for something great. 
that you could see something great in your life with a recipe. And I'm going to give you some ingredients. Can y'all's moms cook? Most moms can cook or have something special that they cook. Um, Jesse's mom, I can't think what it's called, wood burned a recipe for some sweet potato biscuits onto a thing to give to her so that one day when she passes away, Jesse would still have it. And it's pretty cool. Something special that a lot of people don't know how to make, and it's pretty good, and it's kind of a cool thing. So think about recipes. Well, I'm about to give you a, I'm gonna give you a recipe so that you can see something great in your life and in your kid's life. I heard about this 15-year-old boy that got off the school bus and he came in from school and came in the house, Mom, Mom, I'm starving. Mom, where you at? Finally goes upstairs, goes in his mom's bedroom and she's laying in the bed. He said, what's going on? She said, I just feel really, really sick. I don't know if it's a virus or what, but I'm, I'm so sick. I'm sorry. Sorry, son, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to cook dinner. And he said, what? But then the boy thinks about it. And you know, he's 15, so he's a full-grown man. So he stands up tall, and he flexes a little bit, and he says, don't worry about it, Mom. Don't you worry at all. I'm big enough and strong enough to take care of it. I'm going to carry you downstairs and prop you up in front of the stove. <laughs> huh. What kind of men are you raising? Okay, so I'm about to give you a recipe. And I like to think about the messages that I stand in here and preach as like recipes I'm giving you every week. And the same as if I write down a recipe for some good food on a piece of paper and hand it to you, that doesn't mean you're going to go eat it, right? You have to go get the ingredients. And last week, I gave you all an awesome recipe to have joy in your life. And it worked. I tried it. But if you didn't take those ingredients or if you didn't listen or if you, you know, it just, it wasn't important enough to you to hear it. It was super simple. It had two ingredients and it worked. It was good. So if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. It's just human connection and gratitude and you have joy. You fill up your joy tank. Easy. All week long. But it was a recipe. So if you didn't do it or you didn't try it or like James said, you don't put it to the test, then you never know how good it tastes. Because it wasn't worth it to you. So today I'm going to give you some more ingredients, but I can't cook it for you. You got to cook it. You got to eat it. You can't rely on mama to cook it for you. And moms, you can't cook it for your kid and shove it down their throat. At some point, they're going to have to eat it. They got to learn how to make it and eat it on their own. So mom, what are you cooking? Life or death? Deuteronomy 30, 19. This is known as Israel's covenant renewal. I call heaven and earth 
to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Right there in that verse, he says, I've set life and death, blessing and cursing. Like, I've said it before you, and you get to choose. You choose. And then, there, did you catch it at the end of the verse? Whatever you choose, your seed, your kids are affected by it. So it's a choice. You could choose life or death. You could choose blessing or cursing. You, you get to choose. But then it's almost like a warning there at the end. And you choose life, and it'll affect your kids. Do you give life, or do you take it? Are you the kind of person that's adding value to other people and giving life to the people that you're around? Or are you the kind of mom or parent or friend that's that's giving life you're a life dispenser are you always taking that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life and the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them the promised land, the future that he had promised them, the, the purpose or the land that they would walk in. You know, God has a future for you, a plan for you, a, a land, a place where he wants you to live and walk and But you choose. You know moms are enablers. Well, let me give you the definition of the word here real quick. A person or a thing, because to us that's negative. It's a person or a thing that makes something possible. Right? So there's a lot of moms that are enablers in a bad way. But you know, you can also be an enabler in a good way, right? As a mom or a, da a dad, a parent, like you can enable your children to be all that they can be. You can enable them to be life givers and to have joy and all these things. But it's also very easy to enable them in a bad way, right? In, in Blake House, they, they talk about that every... Uh, every addict or er, like usually you have somebody in your life or your family that what they used to say I don't know if they still do it but they say they love you to death like you think you're loving somebody but you're you're loving them to death you're enabling them to keep doing what they're doing and not see a change so that's not the kind of enablers we want to be I've come to this realization in my 38 years that it's hard to not 
enable people in a bad way, especially when it's somebody you love. Right? You want to just give them what they're asking for, but a lot of times that's not what they need or that's not life. Right? You're giving them death. So it can be good or bad. It can be life or death. What are you making possible? What are you making possible for people? For your kids? How do I enable someone to step into the future that God has for them? Because that's what I want to do. I want to enable people. I want to help people. I want to empower people, especially my kids. And I know that all mom, like I'm talking to moms on Mother's Day, but it's all of us. Like I'm speaking to all of us. Like I want to enable people to step into that future and not get stuck in the past and not get even get stuck now. Right? I want to enable people to keep moving forward. I want to keep moving forward myself. And I don't want to leave everybody behind either. I want y'all to keep moving forward with me. Sometimes, if you want to enable somebody to step into the future, you got to stop making now so easy. Right? God does that to us. Like He'll make you so uncomfortable that you got to do something different. Like when now is real comfortable, why are you going to move? Probably not. So don't make now too easy. When you stop moving forward, you make your past your destiny. I don't want to do that. I want to keep moving forward. Don't enable somebody to stay in a toxic place. That's when enabling becomes a bad thing. When somebody's living in a toxic place and you're enabling them to stay in a toxic place, that's when it becomes a bad, bad kind of enabling. Well, how do I know if it's toxic? Fruit won't grow in a toxic environment. So if you look at their life and look at their situation and you don't see any fruit, we talked a lot about fruit last week. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, patience. If you look at them and you don't see any fruit, that's a good indication that they're living in a toxic environment. So don't enable them to stay in that environment. Right? Try to, ultimately, they make the decision whether to come out or not. But make it e- don't make it easy on them. Stay there. I want to show you a misled mom in the Bible. We're going to look at a misled one real quick. And then we're going to look at one that was not misled. She did the right thing. Um, but this mom that we're going to look at first... She was trying to cook up some greatness for her boys. About who could be the greatest. Who's going to be the great. And she tried to step in and take matters into her own hands and force something. Force a position. 
Look at Matthew 20, verse 20. Jesus called these boys to come and be his disciples and walk with him and and to learn from him and be a part of his crew, his group. I mean, they were in the top 12. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons worshiping him. Well, that sounds good. And desiring a certain thing of him. She was worshiping him, but she was desiring a certain thing in specific. She had something in mind, or she wanted something. Don't let your worship just be because you're wanting something. Don't come to God and worship and just worship because you need him to, you want him to do something for you. Like, when a little kid comes to you and they start telling you how great of a parent you are and then it's followed up by what they're trying to get you to buy for them, you're kind of like, uh, I wonder. <laughs> she came to him and she was worshiping him, but she needed something specific. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? What do you want? And she said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you know not what you ask. You don't even know what you're asking for. You you came to me asking me, let one of my sons sit on your right and one on your left and let them have this place of power and greatness. And when you Establish your kingdom. Let my boys, my two boys, I want them to be your right hand and left hand man. And Jesus said, you don't even know what you're asking. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they say unto him, we are. Yep. We can handle it. Mama's right. We'll take it. They don't even know. Like, Jesus is like, he's talking about the cup, his purpose, what he was sent here for, is he's going to go to the cross and save all of mankind. And Jesus is like, y'all don't even really understand what's going on here. Are you able to do what I'm here to do? And they said, yep, we are. (laughs) You can do it. We can too. If I'm Jesus, I'm like, you might be replacing these two. I need a couple more disciples. But Jesus answered and said, you know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? Oh, I already read that verse. Verse 23. And he said unto them, you shall drink indeed of my cup. Saying, I have a purpose for you. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it shall be given unto them for whom it is prepared of my Father. Jesus is like, it's not even up to me. Like y'all are talking about positions. 
And he said, I tell you, you are going to drink of my cup. I do have a purpose. I picked you for a reason. And yeah, you're going to be baptized with the same baptism. Yet you do have a purpose. But the positions that y'all are so worried about, that's not even mine to give. That's up to God. So moms, are you dragging grown children into situations that they can't handle? Their mom brought them in there and said, Hey, Jesus, this is what we want for the two boys here. They couldn't even handle what they were asking for, what she was asking for them. There's a difference in mothering and manipulation. You can't make, especially grown kids, you can't make them do what you think they need to do. It's on them. You just got to love them. Their place, their destiny, their purpose, their, their, their place in the kingdom, it's got to be between them and Jesus. It's not between you and Jesus. And that's hard as a parent and as your kids get older. Now I'm starting to find out that you want to, I want to make it happen. I want to make sure they got a relationship with Jesus. I want to make sure they're they're giving like I think they should give and doing what I think they should do. And they're like, but they got to choose it. That's me getting out of order. So what do I do? To speak life over them. Pray over them. Support them. It doesn't have to look like you thought it would look. It's okay. Jesus was focused on purpose. And mama and the man children were focused on position. You see that? Jesus was focused on the purpose. And both James, John, and their mom were all focused on a position. In the kingdom of God, it's never about a position. It's not about fame and fortune and like, it, it's not about that. Jesus is like, that's not, that's not even what greatness looks like. He was focused on purpose, not position. So as a mom, as a parent, we should pray for the cup that they will drink, not the seat where they will sit. We should, for ourselves, chase purpose, never chase a position. I promise God cares more for your kid than you do. That's hard to imagine. Even saying that as a parent, it's hard for me to believe myself saying it. 
But God cares more for your kid than you do. And he cares that much for you. You know, James and John's mom, she was there pleading the case for her boys, but she was somebody else's daughter. And God cares just as much for her as he did for James and John. Look at Psalms 56. Verse 8. Thou tellest, or know, you know, my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. I always thought this is a weird psalm, right? Say, God, put my tears into your bottle. So my tears are in a bottle. Like God's in heaven and he's got a bottle and he takes my tears and puts them in a bottle. Why would God have a bottle of my tears? Why would he have a bottle of your tears? Because he's crazy about you. And when you cry, Scripture tells us he cries. Remember last week at the end we talked about Lazarus. And a part that we didn't really hit on last week was right before he raised him from the dead, Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. He cried. He was upset. But Jesus knew he was there to raise him from the dead. It was right before he did it, and he already knew it. Like he had already told Martha and Mary, this will not end in death. We looked at that last week, but yet Jesus broke down and cried with them. He felt the pain. Like he had empathy and he stepped into the moment and felt the pain, even though he could he knew the future. Like he knew it was all gonna work together for our good, like Romans says, like he knew that it was gonna be okay and that he was about to take away their pain, but yet before he did the resurrection, he took a minute to cry with them, to step into that place of pain where they were and cry with them. I think that's where we get it wrong a lot of times as a church and as Christians and as like. We want to resurrect people and we want to see this big miracle. We want to see a transformation where you go from death to life to freedom like we talked about last week. And we do want to see, I want to see that in everybody's life, including mine. Areas that are dead, I want them to come to life. But you can't call somebody that's dead to life if you haven't taken the time to feel their pain. If you haven't taken the time to weep with them. To get down and say, hey, I know. I know it hurts. I know it's hard. I don't even know how to. Sometimes you don't even know what to say. I don't know how to take away your pain, but I'll, I'll cry with you. Because if you're hurting, I'm hurting. So not only does God take our tears and store them in a bottle, as the Psalms tells us there, but... God sent Jesus, the God-man, 
to give us an unspoken sermon. That if you want to do a miracle and do the miraculous in somebody's life and see something come from death to life, you need to first feel their pain. Cry with them. Weep with those who weep, Paul said. Jesus wept. He felt their pain. And he feels your pain right now. Whatever it is. Like now in this moment. That kind of hit me. I, I was just about to move on from this point. But like I think we're so stuck on time that a lot of times it's hard for us to realize but God feels your pain right now remember God said when Moses said what's your name and God said I am like I am right now I'm here in this moment with you I know if you're hurting right now I know if you're good right now I'm, I'm with you here now in this moment I feel your pain. The rest of that verse says, are they not in thy book? What do you mean by that? Are they not in your book? Do you see my pain? And he says, are they not in your book? He's saying, God, is it, is it in your story? You're catching my tears. You got them in a bottle. Is this part of your plan? Is it going to be part of your story? Like, was my pain for nothing? Is it not in your book? Is it a part of your story? Is this a part of your plan? God says, yeah. I'll work it together for good. It's, it's part of my plan. I feel your pain and I'll use it. Verse 9 says, when I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. What's he doing? He's just making a decision to praise. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will remember praises. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? I will praise him through the tears. I know that he cares and he has a purpose. I choose to honor. Remember, we're supposed to honor our mothers. We're told to honor our mothers because proper alignment 
will get me places that power alone could never get me. We're taught that in Scripture. And things are in order. So we're told to honor. Honor our father and mothers. Now we'll look at um, how Jesus honored his mother. That will be the, the last mother is Mary. The most famous mother in the Bible. On Jesus' first miracle, which was a really weird miracle. Like he changed water into wine as the first miracle. And let's just read it. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they, who's they? The disciples wanted wine. The mother of Jesus said unto them, unto him, they have no wine. Who is they? And I hadn't ever really thought about it, but she might have been talking about the disciples because it becomes pretty evident here in these few verses that it, it almost seems like Mary was a little bit aggravated. And then she's telling Jesus, like, you better do something about it. And it really shouldn't have been on Jesus. So why, like, it's actually on the groom to have enough wine for the wedding. And, and so there's... There's some questions if you go read the, the commentary and stuff from the scholars about this. But this point has been brought up that Mary may have been aggravated. And this they, they that she keeps mentioning um, may have been the disciples. And it would explain her attitude and her boldness to tell Jesus he better do something about it is that the wedding invitation may have been to Mary and Joseph and their one son, Jesus, who rolls up with 13 grown men that suck down all the wine. Right? Like his, they want more. They, there wasn't enough wine for your 13 buddies you brought in here. And they called him a wine bibber, and he shows up with all these guys, and they're all like, yay, we're at the party. Yeah, and so a lot of people believe that's why Mary was acting this way, because her son rolled up with all these people that weren't even invited and drank all the wine. And now it was going to be this huge embarrassment and shame on the groom and his whole family because they didn't prepare, because of Jesus' disciples came in and drank it all. That would explain Mary's boldness in the moment. Verse 4 says, And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, this is how we know he was the Son of God. I don't know any of y'all, you talk to your mom like that? Woman, you shouldn't. That's not honor. Jesus said, woman, 
What have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. His mother said unto him, His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Mary wasn't even having a discussion with Jesus. Right? You see, Mary came in there and she said what was about to happen. And then Jesus with his 13 buddies were sitting around the table. He said, woman, what have I to do with you? Mary didn't even act, act, just act like he didn't say anything. She goes over to the servants and said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now I'm going back in here and finish eating. She didn't even say anything to Jesus. She didn't give him a choice or an option. She just told him to do something supernatural. Do a miracle. Go to Costco. I don't care. But get it done. That's bold. right? And, and we think of Jesus like, because we know Jesus was all God and all man. And we think of Jesus as God and awesome. And he did all these miracles and stuff. But when you read a story like this, how it really is, Jesus was like, his mom was like, no, nope, you're going to do something now. And then she told them, do whatever he says. And there were set there six water pots of stone, stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. That means these were big water pots that they would have to wash up in. Right? Like, so you would, when you came in, this is what you would use to wash feet. Servants would have dipped water out of here to wash people's feet. You'd wash your hands in it. Or a lot of times the weddings would last, the Jewish wedding would last up to seven days. And so people weren't going and taking showers and baths. You'd just go freshen up in a little pot of water. And then the servants would empty the dirty water and refill it occasionally or whatever. But these were, these were big water pots that they would have had sitting for that, for cleaning and stuff. Um... And it says, containing two or three fursquins apiece. So they held 20 to 30 gallons of water each. And there were six of them. So we're talking about 120 to 180 gallons. That's a lot. And Jesus said, go fill them up. Go fill them all up. I mean, we know he's about to turn it into wine, and I'm thinking, that's a lot of wine. 180 gallons more? Tells him to go fill it up. What's going on? We're setting the stage for something great. Mary was setting the stage for something great. And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. I appreciate that. Out of the servants. They might not have even known what for. Or it couldn't even make sense out of it. But Jesus said do it. Actually, Mary said do it. Right? And so then Jesus told them what to do. And they did it the best they could. It says they filled it to the brim. 
John wanted to make sure we knew they didn't give half a pot. But they made it as full as they could possibly get it. Went and started dipping out of the well, and they, they filled it to the brim. They did as much as they could. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. He didn't turn it yet. It hadn't turned into wine yet. And he told them, dip it out and take it to the most important man at the party. Who wants to be that servant? What? It's foot water. That's what we were washing their feet in. And he told us to get water. And I thought something cool was going to happen. And I put the water all the way to the brim. I did everything I could. I did it to the best of my ability. And now he's trying to get me fired or killed. I'm a servant. If I dip out foot water and take it to the most important man here, he's going to kill me. Throw me in jail or something. Jesus said, go ahead, dip it out and take it to him. I'm that servant. I'm looking around for Mary. How long we got to obey him? When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, it was still water. So I always thought about it like it changed water to wine. And then Jesus said, now serve it. But if you read it this way, it was still water. Like, we haven't read that it changed yet. And it took it took him the water that was made wine. When did it switch? We don't know. And knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water, they knew. He didn't know it was foot water. But they knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth the good wine or the aged wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, it's a Greek word that was translated, it means lesser, inferior, or the younger wine, right? It would be a not aged, a, a younger wine is what he said there. But thou hast kept the good or the aged wine until now. That wasn't aged at all. That was water when the servant started walking towards you. I don't know how many seconds it took him to get to you, but it wasn't aged. We get so stuck on time because we're humans, but God's not stuck on a timeline. And so to God, man, he might have went on and aged that thing 100 years real fast in that 10-second walk. That 10-second walk of faith, of obedience, where you're doing what Jesus said. And then time, you, you know that scripture that says God will restore what the canker worm has eaten and stolen like that? Like, because to us, it's gone or it's lost or 
we're stuck in time, but God's not stuck in time. So when they brought it to him, they said, man, this is some aged wine right here. This is the good stuff. Might be. A little dust on. No. no. It was foot water 10 seconds ago. But because of obedience and faith. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Right now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. And his disciples believed on him. Well, this made them a, the disciples believed. For turning water into wine, it seems like kind of a, it's kind of a weak miracle. You know, I mean, when you compare it to like raising somebody from the dead, healing the blind man, healing the leper, healing like the other miracles that Jesus did, it's kind of like, and there was a party trick, water to wine. It just doesn't seem as important. But it was the first one. Well, he had to get warmed up. He wasn't good yet. I'm just kidding. Because God cares about the little things. And Jesus cares about the groom being embarrassed. And he cares about things that we might think are small or things that we don't, maybe we don't place a great value on. But he cares. And this got the whole thing rolling. Uh, this, this, kind of set things into motion and Jesus knew that he knew once it starts he knew who he was and where he was headed and this started the ball rolling and the disciples believed but I think that's the uh, the recipe I was talking about to, to see something great to see a miracle We just got it, thanks to Mother Mary. Four things. First of all, she saw the problem. Like, she saw the problem before it happened, before the groom was embarrassed, before they ran out of wine, she saw the problem. The real problem. The behind-the-scenes problem that everybody else didn't pick up on right away. So if you want to see something great, want to see a miracle, you got to see the problem. What's behind that? What's really going on? The second thing, she didn't try to take matters into her own hands. She went to Jesus. So the second thing is you seek the power. Don't try to do it yourself. In fact, if you can do it yourself, it's not a miracle. Right? Like if you can figure it out, that's not something great. That's not a miracle. So she had to seek power. She went straight to Jesus. See the problem. 
Seek the power. And the third thing, speak to the people. She had to speak to the servants. Say, hey, listen up. Listen to what he says. Now, whatever he says, you got to do it. Pastor Bruce says all we can do is be available and obedient. That's what we're supposed to do. Be available and obedient, and God will use you. For sure. So she spoke to the people around and said, Hey, y'all be available and obedient. Something big's about to happen. And you're going to get to be a part of it. Got to be available and obedient. So we see the problem. Speak to the power. Talk to Jesus about it. And then we talk to the people that are around. Say, hey, get connected. Get ready. Something big's about to happen. I'm going to need some help. And the fourth thing. It had to be done by the people, by the servants. When Jesus looked at them and said, dip it out and go pour it in the governor's cup. It's the fourth one, dip and pour. That might be the hardest one. Dip and pour. You know, it takes obedience to dip. It does. I've Jesus tells me to go dip it out and pour. It's going it's to take my obedience to dip it out, but it takes faith to pour. Like those servants, they could go over there and dip water all day long. Cool, you're obeying Jesus, but it's going to take some faith to walk up to the governor that has the power to take your life and pour. Because at that point... All trust is in Jesus and the word that he said. And I'm just stepping out in obedience, but I don't know how it's going to work. But I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and I felt it in my spirit. I think it's what God told me to do. But now, the obedience to dip, but I'm going to need the faith to pour. I'm going to need the faith to walk it out. So we dip and we pour. And I'll close by telling you, reminding you, it is not your responsibility to change the water. Dip and pour. God, thank you. God, thank you for all the moms. Thank you for my mom and the impact that she has had and is still having on my life and the lives of my siblings and her grandkids. And I thank you for my wife, the mother of my kids, and the impact that she has and is still having. And, and for all of the mothers in the room and the mothers listening to my voice and, and even the ones, the ladies that don't have natural kids but have mothered children and mentored 
people. God, I pray a blessing over them today. We honor them. I thank you for the moms. God, I thank you for speaking to us. Thanks for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, thank you for giving us these recipes that we can take and, and use. God, help us to see the problem before everything falls apart. Help us to come to you with it rather than trying to figure it out on our own. Just like Mary brought it straight to Jesus. Help us to bring it straight to you. And then speak to the people that we're in relationship with. The people around us, connected to us. That will walk in obedience. God, help us to dip and pour. Obedience and faith. God, that's what I want to look like. Dip and pour. Obedience, as soon as I hear your voice, that my reaction to your voice would be obedience. But then the faith to walk it out and pour. Even if I don't see the end result yet. Even if I don't know how it's going to work. God, help us to trust you that much. God, we love you. Thanks for moving and speaking. In Jesus' name, amen.